Yeah, what's up, Craig? How you doing today? <laughs> Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I am Kel Grant. Ah, uh, ha, 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 ha. Uh, and- I did the thing we talked about. Ah, ah, ah. Gang, gang. Anyway, um, so for today's stats episode, we're going to do kind of a stats adjacent episode uh, kind of half and half it's half stats uh but half pop topics uh andrew luck retired <laughs> what yeah, i know um core and i were actually sitting almost next to each other when it happened at the uh the jet saints preseason game over the weekend and i did not believe him when i when he showed it to me yeah. um i must like Everyone else on Twitter had to double check that the Adam Schefter account was real like three times before I actually believed it. Yeah, I didn't even realize it was Adam Adam Schefter that you were showing me. I thought it was just some random fucko. And then when I saw Schefter, I was like, oh my God, this is fucking real. If anyone else tweeted that uh, or like announced that decision outside of like Andrew Luck himself or the Colts organization, I think everyone would have unanimously said, yeah, it's not true. Yeah, it just seems so unbelievable in its own right. Like it, yeah. Uh, this is a this is a, a real shock to the, like the football community. Um, Andrew Luck. So ever, I think pretty much everyone who follows the sport to an extent knows like the man missed all of 2017 with injuries. He's been a rel- not even relatively a very banged up quarterback during his tenure due to poor offensive line performance. Um, and so, in some respects, it's not a surprise that someone in his position would retire. But I, in my mind, it's still a surprise that he retired. Yeah, especially since the Colts as a team were really on the brink of being Super Bowl. I don't want to say favorites, but they were absolutely way up there in terms of teams expected to push for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean they 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 finished their seasons very very strong last year and may had a playoff appearance. I forget they they obviously lost, but I forget to whom was it the Chiefs? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna check right now. Um, Colts 2018 season. Um, yeah, regardless, they didn't win the Super Bowl. So as far as a lot of people are concerned that's really all yep they lost to the chiefs 31-13 in the divisional rounds after beating the texans 21 to 7 in the wild card so there you go yeah um so i when Corey and i talked about this a little bit yeah right when it happened and i was i guess most thrown off by it so i i i've been thinking about it more since we had this conversation but I initially compared it to him to Dustin Pedroia and Jacoby Ellsbury of like, why retire when you can just keep getting paid to get the best medical treatment in the world for free and collect paychecks, you know, Um, which I think is still an interesting choice for him not to have done it. But the more I think about it, the more I think, well, in baseball, you get like rehab games, hmm. and uh, eventually, if you do come all the way back, it's still a no contact sport for the most part. So, in football, you know that at some point he has to come back and has to get the absolute shit beat out of him. 
as that's just part of the game, especially when you are the man who holds the the football for more than anybody else. But I guess I am a little bit surprised. I, I think that's where most of my surprise comes from. That I he think- would s- stop at this point and not just take the paychecks and and free medical care. You know. I- think that's the big reason why the Colts let him hold on to the 28 27 million dollars that um in a legal sense they were allowed to get back from luck was because they knew he could just stay on their roster just take his time coming back from injury but now that he's officially retired he can come off their salary cap stuff like that um so he's giving them that cap flexibility, roster flexibility without necessarily, you know, he still gets to keep that money. So I think that was the trade-off. In my mind, that's how it would have played out for me. How do you feel just in general? Um, I don't want to say heartbroken, but that's probably the closest thing that would explain explain what i'm feeling almost um i feel for the dude so much i can't personally say i understand what it's like in his situation but i do understand that coming back from injury isn't necessarily the easiest thing to do mentally or physically um especially a guy like that who's had so many serious injuries and just so much clout and fog covering hit up uh Wow. Good with the words today. Uh, basically, just following him around, um, it, it has to be tough. And you know what? You've, I've heard it from a bunch of different players on Twitter and stuff like that where guys who have been in the, his situation agree. Like It takes the love out of the game. Even Gronk came out and said it today that that's why he chose to retire because he just didn't have the love for the game anymore and it just was tearing him down. Um, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that yeah. at some point the love of the game literally gets beaten out of you. Oh yeah, I and believe again, it. I, for I, sure. I think that's where my my yeah. baseball analogy kind of has to end because your body will wear down in baseball because it's it's just a long season. You know, it's a very long season. You don't have to be physical as it goes with pretty much most sports, but with football, I, I mean, there's someone out there. And same thing with, 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 with fighting, you know, there's someone, your opposition is trying to not necessarily hurt you in like a mean spirited way, but to incapacitate you to a certain extent. And, um, that's, that's, that's when that's the goal at some point, you can only take so many hits and you can only, uh, damage your future quality of life so much. Yeah, it's it's just it sucks seeing the fans' reaction to this, especially the Colts fans at the stadium when this was announced. Because uh, the Colts were playing the same time uh, this was all getting announced, and he was planning on announcing it after the game on Sunday, um, letting the whole team know then all that stuff. He finalized it with the Colts on Friday night. Uh, they tried to keep it under wraps for two days, 48 hours for him to talk to the team and then have his press conference. Um, didn't work out that way. So basically the entire team had to be told on the sideline by you know, Luck or by other players. And 
the fans were finding out on their phone while they were sitting in the stadium, and they booed him off the field, which is just unbelievable, awful for luck. Yeah, that's, I couldn't that's imagine what that would feel like. I, I, Jesus Christ! I've booed players before. I booed players on my own team before. Yeah, I booed players at Yankees fan at Yankees games. I can't um, say I've ever booed a player on my own team. Well, the thing with with that is you boo the performance. You don't boo like I, I've booed at. I think I was there for a for a Stanton four or five strikeout game, and I didn't like boo. But I was like, oh boo! Come on, man! What the fuck? Uh, you know, and and I'm not. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. It's it's not me saying like, man, fuck Stanton, because I'm still rooting for him every single time he comes up. I'm not rooting for him to fucking strike out more so i can continue my booing and i think most people who do that in association with yankees fans especially they're still rooting for the guy they don't think the guy is bad they think that that one that that he had a bad day and they're letting him hear it same thing happens with starting pitching you hear it especially for starting pitching um and that's not even a yankees thing you hear that from starting pitching almost everywhere yeah. I don't think a single Yankees fan. I don't. I, maybe I'm. I'm being too generous. Um, I would be hard pressed for me personally, as someone who would and has booed their own players at a game. If I found out that an injury-riddled player was retiring for that reason, how on earth do you boo that person? I. I do. I cannot wrap my brain around it. Especially someone like Andrew Luck, who is just salt of the earth kind of guy, literally given everything for Indy when he's on the field, you know, tried to come back as quickly as he could from every injury before this. Um, I saw a clip of Andrew Luck on the sideline with Chuck Pagano during a game where they were getting blown out. And Luck went to Pagano and was like, hey, man, put me back in the game. I can't go out like this. I got to I got to go out trying, you know, I can't. I can't end a game down like this and just getting subbed out in the fourth quarter, just giving up. Like, I got to go back in the game. And Pagano, like, talked him down, was like, no, like, we need you for the rest of the season. We need you next week. We can't risk you getting hurt. It's a smart move to, you know, pull you from the game and keep you out. And he was just so heartbroken by that news. Just like, no, dude, I got to play. Like, I got to fight for this team. I, I get fans being upset by the situation. I don't get them being upset at the person. No, not at all. It's like, uh, I'm trying to think of the best analogy I can. And I, I think the best one I can come up with, come up with is um, Don Mattingly, even though he wasn't a, uh, he retired at the end of his season. I don't think he retired during his season. And he is, he got his goddamn number retired. Like, like Yankees fans everywhere still love the shit out of Don Mattingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I oh man, I don't know. I it, it fucking sucks. It really think, fucking sucks because I think Andrew Luck's one of those dudes where even players on on teams that he wasn't a part of, fucking or fans fans of teams that 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 were in his division, you know, that were actively technically rooting against him, fucking love that dude. Mm-hmm. He's such an easy easy guy to root for. I hundred percent. So saddened. Um, the best comparison I saw to this was Gail Sayers. Do you know? Are you familiar with the name? Enlighten me. So Gail Sayers, um, I'll pull up his football reference page just so I could uh, talk about him accurately. 
he was a running back for the Bears back, uh, I want to say the 80s, the 90s. Um, he played, oh God, I was so far off. Uh, he played from 65 to 71 for six seasons. Went to four Pro Bowls, five-time five first-team All-Pro, Rookie of the Year, two-time rushing yards leader, um, comeback player of the year. Really only had those five outstanding seasons, and then he retired. And now he's a pro football Hall of Famer. Uh, if you watch you know, film of him uh, when he was on the Bears, my God, he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal running back. Uh, just super shifty. He looked like the predecessor to Barry Sanders. Um, but yeah, I mean, just a super short career of a super high level and then just retired out of nowhere. Um, I know a lot of people have comparing him to Barry Sanders or guys like Calvin Johnson, but they both played, you know, double digit seasons and stuff. Uh, just his career, like Andrews Luck's career, he played in six seasons. That's nuts to me. You know? Yeah, the um, the best comp, uh, best non-football comp, I should say, anyway, that I saw for him was Sandy Koufax. Okay. Because Sandy Koufax also retired at the apex of his career because he was just get starting to get worried about his elbow. There wasn't necessarily anything wrong with it um and he very much so could have kept pitching for sure but he uh he ended up retiring just as a precautionary measure having felt as though he accomplished enough earned enough did enough and um wanted to to preserve his health over over everything else so thought that was a pretty fair one fair enough so uh we did say we would talk a, a little bit about some numbers you want to do that yeah, I got some of uh, his college and pro numbers up if you want to dig deep. Uh, yeah, basically, it's just straight off of the football reference page if you want to pull that up. Yeah, I have it up. Uh, let's just start um, with just the big overall career numbers. Uh, pro or college? Here, um, you do college, I'll do pro. Cool. Um, there's a lot less for college, so I'll just go through it. Um, yeah, go for it. Went to Stanford, was a highly touted recruit. Uh, I don't have the specifics up in front of me, but I guess I could look for it while I'm reading off these numbers. Um, was a red fr- redshirt freshman in 2009. Didn't have a great season, but didn't have a bad one. Uh, great yards per attempt uh, at 8.9, which is just really f- uh, phenomenal. Um but only 56% completion, 13 touchdowns, four interceptions, a 4.5% touchdown percentage, which is pretty much average for the pro level. I don't know what the specific number would be in the NFL, but whatever, I don't care. Uh, And a 1.4% interception rate, which is really fucking dope. Um, Really just burst out onto the scene as a redshirt sophomore. Threw for you know thirty three hundred yards, over seventy percent completion percentage, thirty two touchdowns to only eight interceptions. Um, had a passer rating of one seventy, which is phenomenal. Uh, then his senior year, or redshirt junior year, excuse me, bumped his completion percentage up to seventy one point three percent. Had thirty five hundred yards. Again, uh, had nearly a nine yards per attempt. 
which is just astronomical. That's unheard of. Up to 37 touchdowns uh, and 10 interceptions. His touchdown percent his senior year was 9.2%, which is absolutely asinine. So basically, if he threw a ball, one out of every 10 throws was going to be a touchdown. That's Um, insane. Yeah. uh, Still only a 2.5% interception rate, which is phenomenal. 170 passer rating. Just he had a phenomenal college career. Um, was projected as the number one overall player in the 2011 draft after his redshirt sophomore season. Um, decided, hey, I don't really want to go to the Panthers. I'm going to stay in school for you know one more season. So Cam Newton ended up going first overall and set a lot of things into motion there. Went back to school, absolutely dominated, was a two-time Heisman finalist. Um, just he really did have a perfect high school not high school college career short of winning the heisman or winning a national title like outside of those two major factors which i understand are two major factors he was a perfect college quarterback um so let's see he was the heisman trophy runner-up in 2011 uh, finalists for the Manning Award, Davy O'Brien Award, Johnny Unitas Award, um, all of which go to the top quarterback. Won the Maxwell Award, which goes to the top uh, overall player in college football, much like the Heisman, and was the Walter Camp Player of the Year. Dude is fucking awesome. That's all I really can say. Any Shall specifics we get in- you want to know about his college career? Not on a particular one. That's fine. Let's get into his uh, his pro stats. Where I'm sure we'll have a uh, lengthier discussion as both of us will have something to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to give you his career numbers from uh, 2012 to 2018. He played in and started 86 games, a 53 and 33 record. He finishes his career with 2,000 even passes completed on 3,290 attempts. That's a completion percent of 60.8. He finishes his career with 23,671 yards, 171 touchdowns, a 5.2 touchdown percent, 83 interceptions for a 2.5 interception percent. The longest pass he ever threw, like this shit matters, is 87 yards. His yards per attempt is 7.2. His adjusted yards per attempt is 7.1. His yards per completion, 11.8. Yards per game, 275.2. A lifetime QB rating of 89.5. Um, and then a bunch of shit that don't matter. Uh, yeah. yeah. So be- before we dive deep into this college stuff, uh, I did find his recruiting profile. Wait, college or pro? Um, pro, I meant. Okay. Um, you want to know what kind of quarterbacks uh, were in the same recruiting class as Andrew Luck? He was the sixth-rated overall quarterback. Uh, He was behind guys like Terrell Pryor, EJ Manuel, Blaine Gabbert, and Mike Glennon. Honestly, I'm surprised I know all of those names. I would. I'm. I think it shows you how good college, um, I guess, high school scouting, whichever one it would be, really is because all of those dudes at least made it to the NFL. You know. Also behind another guy called Dane Christ that I know you would not know because oh, he, no idea. He, he did nothing. Um, 
but yeah, I left him out. RG three was also in this class along with uh, Landry Jones. Oh well, he's a legend. Yeah, Landry Jones, man, longtime backup of the Steelers, who fucking sucks. Sorry, let's no problem. Dive back into these pro numbers. So, Andrew Luck also finishes career with uh, an average value total, sorry, an approximate value total of seventy nine, and. As we've talked about approximate value before, we haven't truly dove into it. For now, let's just think about it as a NFL war substitute, just to give us an idea of where we're at. So mm-hmm. 79 on its own won't do him too, too much in terms of putting him up on the top of the leaderboard, as that's currently Peyton Manning at 271. Um, yeah, I don't think that's getting topped anytime. Actually, Tom Brady's still alive. It's actually so gonna, Tom Brady's going to top it this season because Tom Brady yeah. is 269. Yeah. And Drew Brees is 256, which means he might be able to top it this season as well, honestly. Uh, anyway, if you break it down in terms of the number of games he had played in that time, you get that his approximate value per year average is, uh, for lack of a better word, approximately 0.888. All right. So sure. by a rate, where does that put him? Well, I look at a few of the, the quarterbacks in the uh, top 10 of the approximate value leaderboards. And what's, what's his yearly number? 0.8. No, per game. Oh, okay. I was going to say like that is fucking nuts. Per game. Sorry. Because a lot of these guys will have played less than 16 games in a season. Right, right, right. Anyway, so. Continue uh, other players per game numbers that that are nearby him, uh, sorry that that are at the top of the leaderboard, but are also near him because Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are not near him. They are much, 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 much better, um, which is just really shows when you get into the nitty gritty. Brett Favre. Uh, Brett Favre has a career average value, or sorry, I guess you say approximate value of two hundred fifty-five. But when you break that down. By games played, his per game approximate value contribution is 0.844, which is about um, 44 points off of Andrew Luck. So Andrew Luck, if should he have played the same number of games as Brett Favre, <laughs> which, would actually outpace him. Don't get me wrong. That's nigh impossible to do, but I get what you said. Oh, yeah, that shit's not happening. Anyway, John Elway. John Elway has an approximate value of, oh, I just lost you. There, there you are, John. 203. On a per-game basis, Jonathan Elway comes in at 0.868. So Andrew Luck would actually still outpace John Elway. Um, I'm sorry, I should say that Andrew Luck contributed more to his team by 0.2. Um, approximate value points, or we can, I guess I'm just going to start saying wins above replacement because it's a cleaner term. Um, then it's then, not wins above replacement, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's different, but yeah, it, I think in terms of how you should think about it, it's it's about the same because approximate value is a way of pro football reference to assign positive or negative contribution to a team's performance, and that's essentially what wins above replacement's doing. It's just doing it on a different scale. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where approximate value is seemingly more of like a uh, set to zero kind of deal, whereas wins above replacement can go negative because 
it's set to how good the replacement would be. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I get that. Um, so you could say that per game, and again, you can. It's it's not quite as simple as this, obviously, but per game, Andrew Luck had a more significant contribution to his team than Favre did per game. Not for a career, Favre's career is significantly better. Um, <laughs> as the same as John Elway. Uh, one name that was shocking to me how close it was on a per game basis, Dan Marino. No kidding. Dan Marino's per game contribution to his approximate value was zero point eight nine three, which is a mere point zero zero five off of Andrew Luck. Which I would actually probably call his ceiling because Andrew Luck's getting bogged down by uh one very bad year in um which one is this? Twenty well, fifteen. He, he was hurt that year. He only played seven games. Yeah, exactly. So if you take that out, which obviously you cannot do, but if you take that out, I would say that uh Dan Marino, not for again, not for his career, but just what he's like in a game, is probably the ceiling for what Andrew Luck was, which um how do you feel about that statement? Um it's a tough one. Uh especially since availability is the best ability. I mean, I never watched Dan Marino in person. I can only talk about him in the view of his entire career. And it's hard to say, oh, Andrew Luck was just as good, if not better, than Dan Marino was, because Dan Marino is one of the best quarterbacks, literally, of all time. Yeah, top five um, all time. But man, like seeing what Andrew Luck can do on the field and what he was able to do with a truly awful team around him, um, I can't say no. They're not, you know, close. So that's that's really all I can take deep into that because I I hate comparing you know players to Hall of Famers even if they are guys like Andrew Luck. Yeah, I I understand where the many many flaws are in what I'm doing, but the one exception is... to that is Saquon Barkley to Barry Sanders. They are identical. Well, that I think you can go by more of a style kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Um. Yeah, I, I understand what I'm doing is uh, not is honestly something I usually deride, but it's so tough because this man who just by eye test alone is such an amazing quarterback that it feels like there's no really other great way of showing what he did, you know? Like because he, I he, think that if his career somehow managed to last as long as um Dan Marino's we would not be talking about him like he was Dan Marino but we would be talking about him like he was one of the greats of his generation at the very least you know right um like just to say like how good of a prospect he was cuz you know I'm an absolute nerd when it comes to the draft uh when it comes to how good he was as a prospect the way the NFL had their um, rating system set up at the time, uh, it's just a little bit different than it was. Um, so anything from 90 to 100 was essentially, you know, generational talent. Uh, do you want to take a guess to what his score was? 97. Spoiler alert. Are you fucking asshole? Are you looking at the page? No, did I get it right? Yeah, it's 97.0. Yeah, that's you right. Fuck. I fucking hate you. 
Um, he like literally he was a perfect prospect. Like his weaknesses section on the profile is that he's not an athlete like RG three was. That's the only thing they could argue. Yeah, and that's barely even an insult at this point. Yeah, exactly. So I do have one more thing I think that you might find interesting, Corwin, in regards mm-hmm. to stats pertaining to Andrew Luck. Sure. So, again, because he's his career is just not going to be long enough for uh, counting stats to really accumulate, like they would if I was to look at um, all-time passing yards or all-time touchdowns or whatever, I thought, well, Pro Football Reference does keep track of career rate stats leaders. So let's look at those. Okay. NFL passing yards per game. Career leaders. Where do you think Andrew Luck is on this list? Top 15. Two. No kidding. Two? Number two. Right behind Drew Brees. Oh, wow. I'm actually surprised Patrick Mahomes isn't on that list. Unless he Um, is. Well, he's going to be on this list. I can just do a little control F guy and find him for you. Uh, No, he's not even on this list. It goes Hmm. into 189. Then that has to be an error or not updated completely yet. Or there's a minimum number of passes that are uh, required. Because he definitely would be up there. I mean, he's also only played one season. So let's. Oh, yeah. Players must meet the minimum requirements. Yeah. Which for passing is um, at least 1,500 attempts. Oh, yeah. So he'll be there. It's just not yet. Yeah. Anyway, the. NFL pass attempts per game careers. Where do you think he is on this one? Uh, fucking two. No, tied for first. Yeah, no kidding. With yeah. Drew Brees. No, Andrew Luck. Drew Brees is actually second on this. Well, I guess third. Yeah. Do you just say Andrew Luck was tied with Andrew Luck? I may have. I don't think <laughs> I did, but you're probably right because you're the one listening. And I'm the one talking. It was tied with Matthew Stafford. Oh, okay. I get that. Stafford throws a fucking ton of balls. Yeah. Now, these ones won't be nearly as gaudy, but it's still, I think, a little bit fascinating to see just, you know, where he is on these lists. Um, Adjusted yards per pass attempt. So this is is one of our efficiency stats. Yeah, he's got to be up there. Uh, So here he actually comes in uh, at 22. So he comes in at 22. Huh? Is the what's the number seven point one? Seven point one, but again, that puts him is ahead. It really a, is it really adjusted yards per attempt, or is it air yards per attempt? Adjusted yards per pass attempt. I can read, bitch. I just always thought that that was air yards per attempt, but that's fine. Uh, yeah. So, but so his his seven point one puts him ahead of uh Dan Marino. It puts him ahead Good. of Bart Starr, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, puts him ahead of Matthew Stafford. Puts him ahead of Jim Kelly. There's a whole bunch of very recognizable names as we go down this list. Uh, puts him ahead of Johnny Unitas. And I understand the different eras and all that and whatnot, but whatever. Still, 22 is pretty fucking high, especially when you look at the names that are above him. Yeah, um, net yards per pass attempt. Uh, I don't know. Nearly identical. 21. Oh, okay. Uh, adjusted net yards per pass attempt. 22 
17. Okay. 17. Yeah, it, it appears as though adjusting for I'm not quite sure what seems to really <laughs> boost uh, Andrew Luck's credentials here. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, now he's, you know, he's still ahead of all the usually still ahead of Jim Kelly, still ahead of Brett Favre. He's ahead of Roger Staubach. He's ahead of Warren Moon, ahead of Troy Aikman, ahead of Elway. Do they have a sacks per game on there? Uh, They probably do, but I didn't look at it. Let me see if I can uh, open that bad boy up for you. But yeah, uh, are, are there any other um, rate stats in particular you might be interested in seeing while I'm, while I'm pulling up the list? Um, no, I'm really just am curious about sacks. Maybe touchdowns just because that would be a fun one. I have a sack percent. Will that do it for you? That'll do it. All right. Sack percent. If we did this maybe three years ago, I would say that he has to be top three or four. Um, I'm sure he's going to be much lower than that now just because they actually got themselves an offensive line. Um, Yeah, number number. Uh, Andrew Luck is number 21 on this list. Yeah. Um, number, the, the top five is actually fascinating. Really? So number one is a tie between Peyton David Manning Carr. and Dan Marino. For sack percentage? Oh, that's going by lowest. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, that, makes, what, that makes so much more sense. I want to see the highest. Oh, the highest is very bad. Greg Landry got sacked 12.1% of the time. Holy smokes. Oh, I'll give you two guesses at number two because you definitely know who it is. David Carr. David Carr. Yeah. 10.54. <laughs> Holy shit. I knew that one was there. Yeah, David Carr um, should have filed suit against the Texans for uh, you know wrongful endangerment in the workplace. Actually, this bottom of the list is pretty fucking fascinating, too. Um, Roger Staubach, 9.57. Damn. Phil Sims, (laughs) 9.31. Now, these next two I'm going to read, though, really stuck out to me. Colin Kaepernick, 9.18. And Michael Vick, 8.94. Wow. Two very mobile quarterbacks. How do they uh, calculate that? Is it percentage of dropbacks? It is a percentage of time when attempting to pass, which is time sacked divided by um, passes attempted plus time sacked. So, yeah, pretty much. Um, So basically just dropbacks. So why I think they're so much higher is that I don't think that would take into account them tucking the ball and running. So basically, they don't attempt to pass. They just scramble out of, on out of there. It has to be. That has um, to be it because Russell Wilson's also yeah. here at eight point four percent. That has to be it. Yeah. So like, I just think that's just the way it's calculated. That seems pretty fucking stupid. If it was dropbacks, that the keeping doesn't include rushing more attempts. sense. Yeah, I think dropbacks would make more sense uh, instead of them trying to tuck and run. Or like in pocket. Some shit like that, uh, but you get do get forced out of the pocket on a lot of a lot of sacks. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, yeah. Anything else from the this uh, this list I can pull up for you? Oh, you said touchdown percent. Yeah, why not? 
You want passing? Well, gonna you're going to get passing. What other? Why would he be in there for rushing touchdown percentage? I don't know if the bitch runs or not. <laughs> uh, he actually does a decent amount. Oh, and yeah, Andrew Luck is not high on this list. He is uh, yeah. tied for 33rd. Um, Still 33rd all time. It's not bad. No, it's for very good. I'll give you a million guesses to get number one, and you never will. Uh, can you give me a team that he played for? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, right. Fucking. <laughs> is it Jay Cutler? <laughs> no, it is Don't not. Tell me. Is it Jim McMahon? It's not Jim McMahon. Fucking Trent Dilfer. It's not Trent Dilfer. <laughs> all right. I've exhausted all possibilities. Sid Luckman. Sid Luckman. No kidding. Yeah, he was the Chicago. He played from 1939 to 1950. I actually know that name. Do you really? Yeah. That's like, it's like, oh, okay. Sid Luckman. Sure thing. Yeah. He, his such a percent is 7.9. Let's see. Let's pull up his pro football reference page here. Uh, out of the entire top five, uh, I was going to read it. Frankie Albert, <laughs> so, Frank Ryan, oh Otto Graham, and Len Dawson. I only know who Otto Graham is. So he played for 12 seasons and has a lower total touchdowns than uh, Andrew Luck has in six. Oh, that's amazing. By like 40. There are two active quarterbacks in the uh, touchdown percent leaderboard. Lay them on me. Aaron Rodgers, Makes tied for sense. seventh with 6.2. And number 10 is Russell Wilson at 6.0. That both makes sense to me. Okay. Could you do me one favor and do interception percentage now? Because I feel like uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to top that list. I just want to see if I can guess it. Of course I can, buddy. All right. Uh, do you mean top the list in terms of the most or in terms of the least? Least. All right. I got it. Do you want to go with Andrew Luck as your, or sorry, Aaron Rodgers as your? Uh... Yeah. Yeah, you're right. 1.5%. Oh, cool. Nice. I'll give you 10,000 guesses at number two. Tyrod Taylor. Colin Kaepernick. <sighs> Fuck. Actually, if you gave me like 10 guesses, I probably would have gotten that. Colin Kaepernick is tied with Tom Brady at 1.8%. That's, that's always the stat they pull together when they're like, how is Colin Kaepernick not in the NFL? He has a 1.8% interception rate. And don't take that as me saying Colin Kaepernick shouldn't be in the NFL. He absolutely should be. I'm just saying find other stats to use. Yeah. Um, yeah. A Andrew Luck comes in at 21 on this one. Still really good. Yeah, by by all metrics, if he if you're in the top thirty of anything for all, all time, time? Yeah. you're doing fine. He had a hell of a career. If you're in top thirty in that many things, all time in the NFL, you should be a Hall of Famer. But yeah, the lowest I, mean, I think we saw him was twenty second for anything, and that's 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 yeah, that's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about Andrew Luck before we do around the horn stuff? Um, Luck in particular, I'm not sure. I'm going to miss him a lot. I feel like he's dead. I'm going to miss him a lot. 
Uh, he was one of those guys that was just fun to watch. He was an absolute fucking sweetheart of a dude, which I'm not mm-hmm. saying you don't find in the NFL, but you definitely, I think NFL players get less room to have it um, as relative to other sports since it's marketed as being kind of a more violent sport. So to have such a uh, outwardly just pleasant dude was very, very nice to have. Um, I'm going to miss... I'm just gonna miss him. I'm gonna I'm gonna miss having competitive Colts teams for a while because I've only ever known the Colts to be good. Between I think him I think Jacoby Brissett will be a pretty good uh, fill in for them. I don't think I think he'll be a, I think he'll be a fine plug in guy, but they're not going to have that spectacular quarter play, quarterback play that I'm just used to them having. Right, they're not going to be up to the standards of Andrew Luck, but I still think they'll pull out a winning record this year. And I'd be fine with that. I genuinely they might might not break five hundred. Yeah, I I think they'll they'll they have to anywhere between seven and nine wins. I think is very fair. I agree. But yeah, I I, I'm wondering if this is going to hopefully start setting a precedent of more players retiring um, earlier. Not that I want more players out of the league, but that I want more players to start considering their health, since that's been something that's been trying that people have been trying to convey for years now. And this might be the first really big example of it taking hold that your future as a person who is able to walk and think for themselves is very valuable. So do you remember the name Chris Borland? Not off the top of my head. Um, so Chris Borland was a line inside linebacker for uh, Wisconsin and then the San Francisco 49ers. Um, he was a third round pick, uh, played for the 49ers for one season, um, and was basically one of the top inside linebackers in the country that year. Um, let's see if I can pull up his stats here. So his rookie season in 14 games, he had, uh, 107 tackles, 84 of which were solo, um, just absolutely dominant, um, rookie season. Um, and then that was it for him. He retired after that year. Everyone was saying he was next in line to be the next, you know, great 49ers linebacker after guys like Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. Um, he was basically going to fill in for those their shoes. Um, and he was like, no, I am very concerned about head trauma. I want to retire. Um, and that was it. You know, he kept his rookie salary and he kept... Uh, a third of his signing bonus and he gave the rest back and was just like, this is it for me. This is my career. I'm done. I'm way too worried about getting hit in the head. And it was a huge deal back in the day. Um, I mean, this was 2014. So five full years ago, it feels like forever. Um, And that's kind of the last we ever heard from him. Um, And this is kind of like the first major retirement like that since then, maybe Calvin Johnson, since then was bigger but uh, for the sake of the game i hope this doesn't turn into some crazy epidemic but at the same time i don't blame any player that does it because of those reasons you know yeah i don't want it to be an epidemic in the sense that it's like wow everyone's retiring en masse but i would like to see some of those more injury prone players like be like hey let's weigh the costs you know like let me be smarter about talking with my financial advisor to see if I can stretch out, you know, this several million dollars over the course of 
like a lifetime or if I can get more endorsement deals or like, you know, I understand you love the game, but you got to love having the ability to walk too. Right. Do you think he ever makes a comeback? I hope not. I really hope not. Because for one thing, this was a tough choice for him. He needs to stick to it for himself. And for another thing, that men will get absolutely fucking destroyed in the in the press if he ever does. Like no one will respect him. In terms I of fans too. I think people would if he came back to the Colts in like two years and was like, Hey, I'm one hundred percent healthy physically and mentally. Um I'm if you'll have me back, I'm ready to come back and fight for this team, all that. Like I think there would definitely be a lot of people that would be like, yo, fuck this guy. You abandoned us. But I think there would be a lot more where it's like, Andrew, we're glad you're okay. We would love to have you back. I don't know, man. They, they, I think I'm giving too much credit to the I think you're giving, NFL way, you're, I think you're giving way too much credit to the, to the fans of the team that just booed him off the field. Yeah. Fair enough. So uh, you ready for some around the horn? I am, and I want to start with this. Um, David Glass, the owner of the Royals, is in talks of selling it for over a billion dollars to Indians Vice Chairman John Sherman. Yeah, all right. Um, Sure. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I don't know how to feel about this. I think it's bizarre um, because the Royals have a loyal fan base they might not have like i don't know what their attendance numbers look like this season i know that they haven't been good in these past couple years but they still have a very loyal fan base kansas city is a huge baseball town um i'm really wondering what would be the impetus for this um but i sure am interested i yeah i don't know man because if he's tired of, of losing, like I'd I'd have to imagine that this is not the time to sell. Like this is this seems like selling low, you know? Yeah. Uh I wouldn't say it's selling completely low. I would say right before they went on that miracle Super Bowl run for those two years, I think that was World their Series. lowest. What did I say? Super Bowl? Yeah. Nice. Um I would say this is not quite as low as that, but also not far off yeah i i'm i i i commend him the the current owner for sticking with the team and allowing them to do what was necessary to rebuild yeah i'd agree with that that's all i got to say really what do you want to talk about uh i have three things here that we could talk about um antonio brown the ncaa ncaa assholes and james franklin so i'll let you pick which ones you want to talk about let's start with ab um dude's a fucking psychopath yeah um i mean we were talking about this before we were recording um but basically some beat writer put out this article uh where he interviewed uh ben roethlisberger and ben was like hey man you know after that game last season where I threw an interception, I kind of called out Antonio Brown. I really wish I didn't do that. You know, like we were friends. It kind of ruined our relationship. I just hindsight's twenty twenty. If I could go back, I would take that back because, you know, 
I didn't need to do that, all that stuff. Said all the right things. Um, you know, nothing, anything scandalous, you know, like just basically saying, hey, I got upset with a teammate. I wish I didn't. Um, I, you know, I wish we still had a better relationship. And that's totally fine. Until AB came at him on Twitter and was like, nah, we were never friends. I was just out there trying to make my money, you know, shut the fuck up. Um, he did tell him to shut up. I don't think he told him to shut the fuck up. That's for emphasis. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I just don't get it, man. Like, they have been buddy buddy best friends for fucking every training camp, every season. Just anytime you see them together, they're all smiles, super happy. And then after this Vontez perfect hit in the playoffs, it's just been different. And I know he got upset with Juju taking his snaps and taking his targets, but there have been other receivers he's been fighting with for targets every year. I mean, before him, it was Martavis Bryant. Before him, it was Mike Wallace and Emmanuel Sanders. I just, I don't get it, man. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on him just because he doesn't deserve it. I just, it drives me nuts that he has just gone down this rabbit hole almost of insanity. Yeah, I think in like 10 years after his retirement, we're going to get a 30 for 30 or a documentary of some sort that looks into that weird pivot that you mentioned after the the Vontaze perfect hit. I it is complain. just night and day. Yeah. Fuck. All um, right, talk to me about yeah. the uh, NCAA. So NCAA... I forget the dude's fucking name. I just had it in front of me. Uh, I'll look it up as I talk about it. But basically, a player for uh, Virginia Tech transferred. Well, he's now playing for Virginia Tech. He transferred to Virginia Tech um, and then asked for immediate eligibility because he transferred so he could be closer to his mother who was going through stages of cancer and chemotherapy. Um, The player's name was Brock Hoffman, by the way. Um, so basically, he wanted to be able to play for Virginia Tech, be closer to his family, have them be able to come watch him, all that sort of stuff. Great story. Guy wanted to be, well, it's actually not a great story. It's an awful story, but for he was trying to do it for great reasons. NCAA was like, no, can't do that. Not enough uh, reasoning for why you should be able to play. So he appeals it. And today, on August 27th, on a Tuesday... They uh, finally announced that they were not going to approve his appeal and that that was his final step for being able to be granted eligibility for this season. And it's just, it's fucking nuts that they would do this. Uh, Supposedly, the reasoning why was he had waited too long after his mother was diagnosed with cancer and had a tumor removed for this to be a good enough reason to do so which just is mind-boggling to me that the whole reasoning why you wouldn't let a kid play football in front of his mother who has cancer is, well, you should have done it earlier. That's, you know, nothing more we can do. It's fucking nuts. You have any what thoughts on What kind of behavior this? do you expect from the NCAA at this point? It's great. So he tweeted out 32 minutes ago, uh, basically a statement saying, it sucks. I wish I could play. We'll have to wait till 2020. And he tweeted out a picture of Brian Bosworth. Do you know the Boz? Yeah, of course I know the Boz. The Boz. 
uh, wearing his NCAA shirt that said National Communists Against Athletes, Welcome to Russia. Beautiful. If you can find this picture on your own, go for it. It's fantastic. Um, But it's a little silver lining to a otherwise awful story. Um, So, all right, let's close up on James Franklin, uh, head coach at Penn State University. No bias here. Uh, Basically, a former team doctor who was let go came out and uh, accused James Franklin and the Penn State Athletics Department of tampering with players who were injured, basically forcing them to come back to um, the playing field sooner than what the medical practitioners with the team would want. And they were pressuring the team doctors to clear them as soon as possible. Which, on its own, is a huge deal. Um, Granted, the article that supposedly um, was written with him was from a very shady source that no one really at Penn State takes much, you know, stock in. And the fact that there was like 30-something athletes, student athletes, and their families all come out and was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, Franklin is notorious for keeping players out much longer than they have to just to make sure they're fully healthy and all this jazz. So there will be a full NCAA investigation, which will lead to, you know, I'm assuming sanctions and the death penalty for Penn State again. Um, But it's definitely a developing story that, despite it being Penn State and close to my heart, is worth paying attention to. That felt more like a local news update. All right, well, fuck you, dude. (laughs) I want to talk about Penn State as much as you want to talk about fucking old-ass Yankees players. Hey, I don't do that that much. I mean... I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, let's post it out there. Um, Yeah, we both got shit to do. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) I have no... I had no end to that sentence. Um, This is why you should close out the podcast always. I try to. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And if you want to check out the show notes for this episode and all previous episodes, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers.Wixsite.com slash website. And until Monday, my friends, y'all have a good one. Bye.